Hey everybody, welcome to the First Pres Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast channel or our YouTube channel for the latest Sunday messages. We're so glad that you're listening and we are praying that the following message inspires you to take your next steps towards Jesus. Good morning, church. Good morning to you here in the house and you at home. Glad that we're worshiping together and... Um, and just take a minute just to, to look at one another over your mask and just see each other here in the room and just greet each other. And, and we're greeting you at home. We're glad that you're with us too. We love you. We're one church, all bound together in, in, the, in the love of Christ. And, and the church is rising. The church is rising in strength. We're in our series called What David Knew. We're looking at the Psalms that David wrote. And we want to look at Psalm 8. So open that scripture, Psalm 8. And that's what we're going to read and study this morning. And as we open that Scripture, let's open our hearts in prayer. Lord, open your word to us and open us to your word. That's our prayer. Both have got to happen. You've got to help us, Lord, by opening your word to us and bringing it to us by your Holy Spirit. You've got to help us by boring out our deafened ears, by opening up our hardened hearts so we can receive this word. So help us, Jesus, we pray that we can hear your voice. In Jesus' name, church said... Amen. Psalm 8. Now, these psalms have headings, right? I'm going to read the heading too. Psalm 8. For the director of music, according to Get It, which is probably the tune, a psalm of David. Verse 1. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands, and you put everything under their feet. All flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. It's God's word. We're grateful. Amen? What David knew, David knew a creator. How many of you have, uh, have spent a night under the stars? Yeah, hands shoot up all over the house. Why? Because we live in Colorado, like, you know? And so that's why, like, yeah, of course. Now, I'm not talking about you spent the night in a tent, okay? Let me clarify. I'm not talking about you spent the night in a tent. I'm not talking about you spent the night in the back of your car. I'm not talking about you spent the night in an RV with the window down, right? No. I mean out in the, in the dirt, under the stars, nothing above you but the canopy of stars. Anybody want to change their answer? How many have done that? You've done that. I know, this is crazy. Listen, I got to tell you, I've never done that. I have to admit, I never have. The closest I have is I slept in a hammock with like a tarp over it to keep the dew off, you know, and so I was under a tarp, but I've never slept out. It's too open. It's too, it's too, it's too vulnerable, right? I feel like I'm going to fall off into space. And it, or, you know, you're just out there. Like, what if a, something comes along? Did you think about that? Like, what if a little skunk comes along? Or a bear? How about that? So I, I've, I've never done, you know? 
Um, high thread count sheets on a master bed and a high floor of a hotel room. That's fine. That nice view of the city. Count me in. But, uh, but I've never done that, sleeping on the dirt in the, under the canopy of stars. But I do love the stars. Don't you love to look up at the stars? And I mean the, the more, the better. The darker, the, the deeper the darkness behind them, the better, the, the, the clearer the, the, the Milky Way through the sky, the better. Because you just look up the stars and it changes your, changes your whole life. What does it do to you to look up to the night sky? What does it do to you? For me, it does two things. It does two things. One, it makes me feel really small. Super, super small. But two, you know what? It makes me feel super, super loved that the God who made all that would have even any regard for me at all and would know my name. Our hero of the series is David, King David. He wrote uh, half of the Psalms, more than that. And, and uh, David, David did spend nights out under the stars, for sure. And um, maybe not by choice. I mean, maybe not ever by choice. David was a shepherd when he grew up, and shepherds would spend nights out on the, on the fields with their flocks by night. Feels like Christmas now, we say that. There were shepherds out in their flocks, by fields, by night. And they would sleep out with their, with their flocks. They'd be under the canopy of the stars. David was also a soldier. He would wind up many times out there in vulnerable places where he couldn't, you know, he couldn't come into shelter. He was out there kind of out in the open. David had many times when he looked up and slept under the canopy of the stars. And you can tell that because as he writes Psalm 8, you can see this is a guy who's been formed. He's been absolutely formed by looking up at the beauty of, of the night sky and creation. He knew what it was to look up and wonder about the power of the creator. Verse one, Lord, our Lord. Church, say this with me. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've set your glory in the heavens. This is a song, and even in our English, you can, you can hear it. It's, make, it's trying to make you sing, Right? And we can hear you singing in here, even with your masks on. The church is singing again. And I, and I hope that you at home are singing loud because I can hear people in here when they're singing. We, we need to sing. And this, this psalm is a song. It's got rhythm to it. It's got a beat to it. And it makes you want to sing it. And what does it teach us? It teaches us that creation publishes something of the character of God. That the very creation itself, it declares something. It manifests a truth. It publishes something of the character of God. And it's available for all to see. See, the world we live in is not some cold, kind of sanitized, like a, a, a laboratory platform or something, or a petri dish for life forms to grow on. The world we live in is this beautiful, glorious, uh, it's full of majesty. It's full of of awe-inspiring wonder, and it's there for all to see. In our tradition that we swim in, we call it the Reformed tradition, we would talk about creation, the nature, the world out there. Creation is the first book. It's what God publishes to tell us about himself. It tells us something about God. Now, it's not enough knowledge about God to be in a good relationship with God. It's not enough knowledge to be saved by God. It doesn't give you that much knowledge, but it does declare to you that God is there, God exists, God is powerful. 
God is glorious. God is majestic. And it declares to you some other things about God, that God is creative, that God is, is glorious, and that God is loving to make a world like this. Verse two, through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Through the praise of children. You know what that's saying? When kids worship God. Oh, it's, it's sweet and, and saccharine. Is that what that's saying? What this verse is saying is that when kids worship God, when children praise the Lord, strongholds are established in spiritual places to destroy the enemies of God. Do you hear that? Do you think it's important when kids sing praise? I do. I do. Imagine this. You're, you're walking down the street here on, uh, on Bijou and, and, and you see somebody coming, you know, and it's a couple of guys and one guy's sort of grumbling to the other one. You know, you can tell he's in a bad mood. And he's, you, hear, you overhear him saying, ah, there is no God, there is no God. So what do you mean there is no God? Well, if, if there was a God, none of this junk would all happen. I mean, all this stuff we're so frustrated with and all this pain and all this, it wouldn't, it wouldn't happen. There is no God. Along the other direction comes a, a mom pushing a toddler in an umbrella chair, you know, an umbrella stroller. The little toddler um, looks up, sees a sunset sky, sticks up its chubby little finger, blows a few spit bubbles, and goes, ooh. Now, the poor atheist's arguments have been entirely demolished. I mean, that's it. That's the truth of it. The little, the little kid looks up at the sky and goes, ooh, and the poor atheist has got nothing to stand on after that. What are you going to say to that? Because this fantasy of living in a world with no God, it dissolves with the slightest drop of truth, and this little kid just puts his chubby little finger up and says, ooh, and it's, and it's demolished. There's a stronghold built because there's no argument to be made against the, the truth that it's obvious from creation that there's a creator. And the, the creator, he makes beauty in creation to have an impact on the souls of men and women, on the souls of people. And so when a little child just lifts up their finger and just says, ooh, you know, the poor atheist doesn't have anything to say. And the kid sticks his finger in his nose, rolls on down the road. What are you gonna do? So we say with Jesus, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to who? Little children. Verse three. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you're mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them? The image here. What's the image here? Well, the image here is, is of, a, of a very, very Big God. That's the image that's being drawn here. That's the picture that's being painted. That God is immense. 
And we know God doesn't take up space like you and I, but this is what's being drawn up here as an illustration is it, the scripture wants you to see how this immense God, why, is, why do I say so big? Because the moon and the stars, everything that God's making, God doesn't just, you know, even to make the moon, it's not like packing a, a snowball in his palms of his hands. He's, he's working with his fingers here, you see? The fingers of God. He's, the moon and the stars, he's got to put them together. And so the images of this enormous God putting the heavens into place. How big is God? How much bigger than us? And it also speaks to the craftsmanship that God is involved in everything he makes. He's invested in everything he makes. He's got his fingers in everything he makes because he cares about it. Well, and then the rest of the psalm speaks of us, friends. You and me, and how we're made by God, in the image of God, crowned with glory and honor, how we're made by God just like a little lower than the, than, than the divinity. We're, we're, we're so close to, to being made, in, we're so much in God's image, it's like we missed God by a, a hair's breadth. That's where God put us in his creation. And he gave us this role in creation as the pinnacle of creation to, to rule over it, to have dominion over it, over all the, the birds and the beasts and the, and the fish as as, as ex- exercising dominion over all of that as vice regents of God, as emissaries and vassals of our king. We've got a role to play. And that's what we're gonna talk about next. But first I want you to see David. See David. What did David know? Can you see David writing this out? Can you see David experiencing this of God? What did David know? David knew the reality of a creator God. A creator God is over all things. A creator God who made him and set him in this universe with purpose and with meaning. It's the most famous story of David. Most famous story of David is the day when David, the shepherd boy, walked out on the field of the valley of Elah and he faced a giant, youngest in the room, youngest in the room, I'm talking to you now, kids, kids, I'm talking to you, because I bet the youngest person in the room, I'd ask you, what's the name of the giant David faced, and you would tell me, David went out and faced a giant named Goliath, yeah, we know that story, (laughs) I'm not sure that was the youngest in the room responding to that, (laughs) we know that story, right, David and Goliath. And he walked out, here's Goliath, nine feet tall. The guy's biceps are as big as David's neck, right? His thighs are like the size of David's waist. Urgh. He's got a sword that's as big as David is tall. He's got the spear, it's like a flagpole. And his armor's so big, he has to have someone else help him carry it along. And he's, here's this tank of a man, I mean a tank. And here comes David. And he's still kind of a teenager, he's still kind of a kid. You know, he's not old enough to be one of the soldiers even in the army. He just went out there to visit his brothers and he comes out here and what does he do? He's walking out there in just his little shepherd's cloak and he's got, what does he have? Slingshot, five stones. And he takes that tank out. Why? Because David knew, creator God. He didn't see anything on the field bigger than, then the Lord is God. When he looked at that tank of a man coming at the army of, of God's people, he, he said, well, I don't see anything on the field that's bigger than my God. 
I know creator God who made me with purpose and set me in the world. And so he walks out there with, these, with this, this slingshot and he starts swinging this thing around and he says to all those people around, what does he say as he does that? He says, all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or by spear that the Lord saves. For what? Say this with me. The battle is the Lord's. What giants are you facing today? David knew creator God is bigger than anything you face. Then no matter what kind of a tank is coming at you, God, God knows, God knows what, you're, what you're looking at from your perspective and what you've got to know, what you've got to believe is God is bigger than that, so much bigger. There was no giant on the field bigger than the Lord, his God. So I ask you, are you in relationship with your creator God? Are you at peace with the one who made you? Friends, here's the thing. Talk about creation. You don't come into peace with creator God just by looking at creation. You come into peace with creator God through Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is creator God. Look at John chapter one. In the beginning was the what? Word. Okay. Let me let the secret out. That's Jesus. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. That word, John says, became flesh. That's Jesus Christ. And what was made without him? Nothing. And and what was made with him and with his involvement? What? Everything. There's nothing that was made outside of him and there's nothing that he didn't touch in creation. Jesus is creator God. And then Paul said the same thing in his letter to the church in Colossae. For in him, in Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, there's nothing bigger than your God on the battlefield. And all things have been created, what? Through him and for him. Say that again. Through him and for him. For him. There's nothing that was made that wasn't made through Jesus and for Jesus. And he's before all things, and in him all things they hold together. Jesus is creator God. He is creator God. As much as the Father and the Spirit, Jesus is creator God. Now, God that big, God so large that he fashioned us by his fingers, he came down to be with us in Jesus Christ. That's the amazing contrast. That God's so big, he became so near to us. What is mankind that you think of them? Son of man that you visit upon them, your presence. Psalm 8 goes on to tell us now, friends, about our role in the created order. Not only to tell us about it, but to, but to celebrate it. Like, it's not just information, it's a song. There's something to celebrate. And what is it? It's that Jesus, God, creator, creator God, he made us, he made you with, the, with his fingers, with the craftsmanship from his heart. He formed you and put you in this world with meaning and with purpose. With meaning and with purpose. Look at verse five. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You're crowned with glory and honor from God. Do you feel that way? And then what? You made them, say this word with me, rulers. 
I'm looking out here at a group of rulers. You are rulers over God's creation, over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, the beasts of the field, the the birds of the sky, the fish of the seas, all flocks and herds, all that swim the paths of the seas under our hands. Any fishermen in the house today? Anybody is fishermen? You like to fly fish? You like... Why doesn't this ring true to me? I mean, I, I'm a fish. I'm like, I can never find the paths of the seas where all the fish are, right? Where are the fish? Well, come on. So I'm trying to live out this verse. He's, God has made you a ruler of all those things. God made us rulers of the rest of creation. This goes right back to Genesis. Genesis 1, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may, here's that word again, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky over the livestock and all the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. God has a purpose for you, a role for you to play in creation. He sets you as a ruler, as a, a vice regent of his authority. You have, you have dominion over the creation. You, have ex, you exercise influence over the world around you. The message translation says it this way, You, God, you, you put us in charge of your handcrafted world. You put us in charge of your handcrafted world. So church, what are you gonna do with that? I want you to imagine um, that you've got a friend who's a craftsman, uh, they're a woodworker, and they say, come on over, I got a gift for you. Come over to their workshop. They come out, they've made a, a coffee table, handmade coffee table. They wanna give it to you as a gift. So, so they come out, they hand it to you, you, you take it, you're looking at it. You think, wow. Then you chuck it in the back of your pickup truck, right? Like that, over the shoulder. <laughs> and you throw in there, you know, muddy boots and a couple bags of trash and some toe chains and your golf clubs or whatever else, you know. <whistles> Is that what you're gonna do? No. No, you're not gonna do that. Why? This is a gift. And you want to receive that gift with care. Each day we wake up to a world God made over which we exercise influence. You exercise influence every day over the world God made. We want to receive that gift with care. It has to do with at least three things, three things we're going to talk about. Number one, how we receive it. How do you complete the gift by receiving it? Well, number two, number two is how we treat it. Are we treating it according to God's purposes? Number three is how we receive one another, every other person, as a gift from God in his creation, worthy of value and dignity. Number one, how we receive it. How we receive it. It matters how you receive it. Do you remember when Jesus uh, was entering Jerusalem on Palm Sunday and everybody in the streets, they started singing, started shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. They were waving palms in the air and their clothes and everything. They're so excited. They're so excited that Jesus is coming. They're acting like the Messiah is walking into Israel, into Jerusalem, in Israel. And so the, the religious authorities, they got aggravated by this, right? And they came up to Jesus and they said, this is your problem that they're saying those words. And you have got to stand up and tell them to zip it. And what does Jesus say? I don't think so. Luke 19. If these, Jesus replied, I tell you, if these were silent, the very, what? Stones. 
The very stones would cry out. And what is Jesus saying there? Is that just poetic nonsense? No. He knows exactly what he's saying. What Jesus is saying is that those stones, the stones right there by the roadside in Jerusalem, he's saying those stones were made fashioned by God. They're made fashioned by God to do what? To give glory to God, to give honor to God, to reflect the glory and the majesty of their creator. And if these voices don't raise up, these stones are gonna do it. They're gonna do it on their own. Now, what's he saying? He's saying, look, I want you to hear this now. You and I, when we give praise to God, when we receive this gift, we are helping, hear me now, you are helping those stones cry out. Every time you look at God's creation, you receive it as a gift. Every time you you look at something beautiful and you reflect that glory back up to God, you are helping creation do what it was made to do, to give glory to God. Every time you turn toward church and you're walking down the street and you look west from here and you see what? You see this glorious mountain pasted in snow and it's, it's got this pink light of the sunrise coming down over it. Every time you see that and you pause and you take it in, and you, you lift your chubby little finger, right? And you blow a couple spit bubbles and go, whoa. You know what you're doing? You are helping those stones cry out to the name of the Lord our God and give him thanks and praise. It's no small thing. It's no small thing. How you receive it. How you receive it. Look, doesn't it feel good to do that? Don't you like that moment? You know why you like it? It's because you were made to do it. Number two, how we treat it. There's so many things to talk about here, aren't there? About creation care, all the the many ways that we kind of take the gift of creation and chuck it in the truck instead of really receiving it with care. There's so many different ways that we could talk about this, but I want to talk about chickens. That's right, chickens. Okay, hang with me now. Chickens. Uh, How are we supposed to take care of creation? See, a big part of what the psalm is saying is that you're the rulers. You exercise dominion over all these creatures. And so when you're exercising dominion over all these creatures, what are you supposed to be doing? You're supposed to be helping them be what God made them to be. So let's talk chickens. Have you ever seen one of those industrial chicken houses, you know, where they're packing all the chickens in and they're just growing these chickens like like it's some kind of a laboratory? Have you ever seen that? And there's so many chickens in there, it's so toxic inside that environment, the chickens, they have to eat antibiotics with every meal. It's mixed into their food just to survive. And the workers that work there, they have to put hazmat suits on. Not kidding, head to toe, cover up their whole face, everything, just to go in because the environment inside is so toxic. That's where your chicken's coming from. Now, when in, De- in Maryland and in Delaware, they come through, they wash these houses out, and all that toxic sludge goes right down the streams, right down the rivers, right into the Chesapeake Bay, where that toxic sludge has killed all the oyster beds that used to, a generation ago, fill up that bay and filter the full volume of water of the Chesapeake Bay. Every 24 hours, it was filtered. Now, no, because they're all dead. Why? Because we're raising chickens in these horrible, toxic chicken houses. And I think you ought to just let a chicken be a chicken. And I think that's important. So it might surprise me. I think cage-free chickens is kind of a big deal. Why? So you just got to let that chicken be a chicken. Let it scratch around, hunt and peck, and do all its chicken stuff, right? And then eat it. 
to the glory of God. All right, you take all that for what it's worth, you know, Tim's opinion on chickens. But I want you to hear this and take it to heart. When we violate God's design, the repercussions run so far and so deep, we can't even measure the impact it's having. And we were made to help these creatures be what God made them to be. When I go walking with my dog, when I let the dog off the leash, he runs across through the, the, you know, the, the, the forest, my dog is so darn happy, you know? He's just as happy, just dogging it up all the way a dog ought to dog it up, you know? And I love to see that. I love to see that. Why? That's what I was made to do. That's what I was made to do. We've got a job to play. Number three, number three, friends, how do we receive one another? Don't forget, you're part of creation, as is every human being you meet. How do we receive that gift? Every human being made in the image of God is worthy of dignity and honor. And our calling, our responsibility here is to pursue systems of of justice that reflect the justice and the righteousness and the truth of God who made all of us to be together, you know, to receive one another with dignity and respect. In our own country, You know, we're blessed to be in a country that strives to guarantee every person equal protections under the law, no matter the color of their skin, accent, background, no matter the range of their, you know, wages or anything else. And when we fail at that, we run hard to recover. As Christians, that's even another layer. We want to meet everybody that we see as someone made and fashioned by the fingers of God in his image. And we want to give them dignity and respect and honor that they are due simply because of that. Made by God, I receive you as a gift. We work with ministries around our our city that lift people up in dignity and honor as people made in the image of God. We work with Springs Rescue Mission who not only help people to get out of homelessness, but they're instilling, they're intentionally instilling the dignity and honor of being made in the image of God with potential. Crossfire Ministries, food relief ministry, not only to solve the the hunger and to, to meet the need of hunger, but to say, we wanna do that in a way that instills you with dignity and with, with honor as being made in the image of God. It doesn't stop there. We, we partner around the world and, the, and we partner with Christian missions that are lifting people up in honor and in dignity. And it goes not just across all walks of life, but through every stage of life. We want to honor people with dignity in the image of God right up to the end of life. And we want to honor people made in the image of God right from the beginning of life. We partner with a group called Life Network that runs crisis pregnancy centers here in the city to help people to see the dignity of the unborn child. We partner with Focus on the Family who does such work to let people see what God is is bringing together, knitting together in a mother's womb and to lift up the dignity of family which is one of those first places where we're gonna learn how to give honor and respect to one another to the glory of God. We're partnered with one another to receive what God has made in one another as a gift. How do you receive? How do you receive the gift? O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. God so large, so unimaginably 
unspeakably, just indescribably large that he makes us with his fingers. The self-same God, he cares for you so much. He fashioned you in his image. The self-same God, he cares for you so much he came down in his son, Jesus Christ. He came down to be one of us, Jesus, conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, God, the Lord God Almighty, the creator God himself became a helpless and unborn child. And born and ministering, he was a man, suffering all that it is to be a man in this world and, and gave himself over to the worst side of humanity to himself be crushed on the cross and breathe his last. This is the love that God has for us. How do we receive the gift? We receive it in Jesus Christ. We receive it in Jesus Christ. What did David knew? He knew that there was a creator God so much bigger, so much bigger, that there was nothing that he had to face that was bigger than the Lord his God. And what did he know? He, he knew that that God, so big, so vast, was near. Lord Jesus, thank you for being our creator, for fashioning us. Lord, we pray that you help us to receive the gift in all these ways. Receive the gift in creation. Receive the gift in, in how we treat it. Receive the gift in how we treat one another. We thank you, Jesus, that you're at work in our lives and in our world to draw us closer to you and closer to your purposes. Lord, we can't, we can't fix this world, but we know, Lord Jesus, that we can, we can be reconciled to you. And, and this world that we want to be reconciled to, we know that we can find it in you, Jesus Christ. You're the high priest, the one who brings God to the world and the world to God. And there's none like you, Jesus, to be our creator God, who is so big, so powerful, so vast, and yet so near to us in our hearts. And you can bring us together. You can heal this world. You can change the ways that we behave. You can change the ways that we receive what you've given. You can change the way that we give your praise. And Lord Jesus, let us be the people, your priesthood of believers who are walking the face of this earth and helping the stones say glory for you are the glorious God we honor you in Jesus name amen hey once again thanks for listening if you live in the Colorado Springs area we would love to meet you on a Sunday morning to plan your visit head to our website at firstprezcos.org that's F-I-R-S-T-P-R-E-S-C-O-S dot org.